What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up or turn those on to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 is where we're going to be hanging out tonight as we continue in this series, Here Comes Heaven. And so if you haven't been with us, I'll just kind of give you a quick recap on what we've been talking about for the last, I guess, three weeks now. And really, this series, Here Comes Heaven, is a series on hope. And what we talked about is during the midst of this pandemic, so many things that we put our hope in, like friendships or just a sense of normality or a sense of certainty has been taken away from us. And so because of that, so many of us find ourselves just living our life day to day, struggling to find any type of hope that anything is going to get better. And so the whole purpose of this series is to remind us as those who follow Jesus that in Scripture, our hope isn't found in this world getting better. Instead, our hope is found in a new world that's coming. Our hope is found on this day when heaven comes here to earth. And then as a result of that, all the things that we hate about this life, the pain, the suffering, the heartache, the uncertainty, the loneliness and everything like that will one day be gone. And so what we've talked about is we're focusing on things here, and so we need to take our focus off of this and put it on to this future world that's coming. And so really we've been talking about these different emotions and these different things that allow us to to struggle for hope. And so tonight we're going to continue that. Tonight we're going to continue to walk through this series, and Genesis chapter 4 is going to help us look at a different emotion and how we can find hope even in the midst of feeling this feeling. So that's where we're going to be tonight. Genesis chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We'll have the verses on the screen for you to follow along. So if you are a freshman here tonight, I want you to know that this might make you feel a little bit better, is that I also had a really rough second semester of my senior year also. Obviously, it wasn't because of the pandemic, right? You guys win that one. Um, But it was because on New Year's Eve of that year, Out of nowhere, my girlfriend decided to break up with me in the front of her BMW. It was funny because I heard laughs and alls right there, so I don't really know how to to interpret that. Um, It was sad at the time. It's funny now. Um, Now, one thing that was nice about this relationship, though, I guess you could say a positive aspect of it, is that me and this girl didn't go to the same school. So what that meant is after we broke up, as hard as that was for me, I didn't have to go through the pain of seeing her every single day. Because to me, that's what made breakup so hard is when you had to see the person over and over and over again. So that was nice until something happened that in my mind was even worse. Because one afternoon, soon after we broke up, I was walking into work at a place where all good Christians in Atlanta find their first job, Chick-fil-A. And as I'm walking in, I notice in the corner at a table, this guy I know named Ben, who went to my school, hanging out with my ex-girlfriend's younger brothers. And so I thought, you know, that's kind of weird, maybe borderline creepy. But, you know, I just kind of, you know, continued on. But as I was in the middle of my shift, you know, pre-blessing the Lord's chicken, um, (laughs) all of a sudden it hit me. 
And I was like, dang it. This guy is dating my ex. I was a slow learner, apparently. <laughs> but I, I didn't, eventually those dots connected. And so you can imagine in that moment all the emotions, you know, that just overtook me, right? Jealousy, anger, right? Sadness, all these emotions just kind of came up and overtook me towards this guy, right? Because in my mind, I'm like, all right, now he's the guy who's going to be replacing me. And so for me, man, for, for months, what was so much worse than seeing this girl every day was having to see this guy, right? Walking down the hallway, and passing by him, or seeing him over in the corner hanging out with his friends. It was like this psychological torture that I was going through. Because every time I saw him, I couldn't help it. I just became consumed with this resentment. Right, naturally comparing myself to this guy, right? Right, trying to figure out what, you know, how his manly beard stubble and his perfect bone structure was so appealing to this girl, right? I mean, for months. I mean, I would see this guy and just be overwhelmed with these negative emotions. And eventually, these emotions continued to control me to the point that, man, I became bitter towards Ben. I mean, I couldn't stand to be around him. I couldn't stand to look at him. Honestly, I hated the guy. I never talked to him, but I hated this guy because he had what I wanted. And in my mind, it wasn't fair that my ex now had feelings towards him, now liked him, when so recently she used to like me. And so for so long, I walked around with these negative emotions towards this guy, Ben, because he was with the girl that I used to be with. And the reason I tell you that story is because I know everybody in this room has experienced that emotion before. Right? All of us in this room know what it's like to be bitter. All of us in this room know what it's like to have resentment towards somebody. Because they took something that we wanted. Especially recently, right? Because ever since March, we have had so many things taken away from us. Right? Maybe for you it was this past spring, right? When this pandemic hit and a principal or maybe a school district decided to take away the sport that you loved so that you couldn't play it, or they took away your prom, or they took away your graduation, and even now, six months later, if you're honest, you're still a little salty about it. Right, for others of you, maybe it was this summer when your parents took away your freedom. And so for months, you felt like you were a prisoner in your own home. And for others of you, maybe it's happening right now, this fall. Because you took a class, but then your professor decided to take away the in-person meetings and decided to put everything online, and along with it, this workload that is unrealistic and this workload that is ridiculous, and now you find yourself falling further and further behind, and you don't know what to do. And all of us have experienced this before. All of us know what it's like to be bitter because somebody took something away from us. And how all of us have felt before is how the person in our passage feels tonight. Because tonight, we're going to look at a story that many of you, especially if you grew up in church, you've heard before. Right? It's the story of Cain and Abel. But tonight, I want us to look at this story through the lens of this emotion that we're talking about. Through the lens of bitterness. And what I want us to do is I want us to see the mistakes that Cain makes. But then I also want us to see how we, unlike him, can find hope even in those moments where we struggle with so much resentment in our lives. 
because of something that's happened to us. So let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1, and let's see what God's work can teach us tonight. So we read, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. So Genesis chapter 4 happens right after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, they fall into sin, and then they get kicked out of the garden. And so now that they're living in this new broken world, they decide to start a family together, right? What a better time to have babies, right, when sin's plugging humanity. And so, and so they decide to have um, some kids, and Cain is their firstborn son. And then pretty soon after that, they have another son named Abel. And as these two guys grow up, we say they have two different occupations, don't they? Cain is a farmer, and Abel is a shepherd. And so as these guys are just living their life, we see one day their two careers paths cross when they decide to do something for God. And that's what we see in verse 3. It says, In the course of the time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So we see this story kind of zooms in on this particular day where Cain and Abel are going to God bringing these offerings, right? And that's what people used to do as an act of worship, as an act of devotion to God. But in the midst of this, something happens, doesn't it? When Cain brings his offering to God, God rejects it. But when Abel brings his offering to God, God accepts it. Now, in other passages of Scripture, we are told why this happens. At least we get kind of an idea of why it happens. It appears to be the reason that Cain's offering is rejected is because he doesn't offer it by faith. Right? He's probably here just kind of going through the motions. Right, His heart's not really into it. He kind of just brings this offering to God and doesn't really have a good motivation to do it, unlike Abel, who apparently seems to want to do this, right? He has a heart for God. He has a love for God. And so this is an act of worship as Abel comes and gives this offering to God. But, you know, since we aren't told in this passage why God says yes to Abel but no to Cain, it makes me wonder if Cain doesn't know why this happens either. And if that's true, just think about how hopeless he must have felt in this moment. Which is why when God rejects him, we see that he becomes angry and that his face falls, right? doesn't fall off, right? Let's be honest, that would be weird, but at the same time, equally awesome, right? No, it says that his face fell, which means he became sad. He became upset. And if you think about it, those are the two emotions that we experience when we find ourselves being bitter. Right? We're upset, right? We're sad, but then at the exact same time, we're also angry because something isn't going the way that we want it to go. Right? Because we didn't get that freedom from our parents, or because we didn't get that easy class, or because we didn't get our senior prom, or in Cain's case, because he didn't get that acceptance before God. So often the reason we experience bitterness in our lives is because we're angry but also upset because of something that's happening. And see, I bet in this moment when Cain's offering gets rejected, I bet he felt a sense of injustice. 
Because that's so often what our minds, our mind does to us when we become bitter, right? It impacts how we think. It calls us to see our situation as being unfair, right? We think it's unfair that all of my siblings got to enjoy their senior year, but I didn't. It's not fair that my friends got to do so many fun things this summer, and I didn't. It's not fair that I am paying a professor to homeschool myself, and now I'm having to do all the work when I should be taking the class that's much easier than this. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's how we think. We think my life is unfair. Things shouldn't be like this. Things should be different. This is wrong. This is an injustice. So we can only imagine what Cain must have been thinking about in this moment, how he must have been thinking about, man, it is not fair that God rejected my offering when I gave it first and he accepted my brother's instead. And even though we don't know exactly what Cain is thinking here, what we do know is what Cain is doing. In this moment, Cain is comparing himself to his brother. He's upset because his got rejected when his brothers got accepted. And this is so big. Because comparison is the ground where bitterness grows in our lives. Comparison is the ground where bitterness grows. Because when we start to focus on how unfair our life is, compared to someone else or compared to something else, right? Compared to someone else who has a better life or compared to something else, meaning this expectation that we have of how our lives should be going, that's when we start to take the form of bitterness. When we focus on how unfair our life is compared to other people or other things, that's when we start to take the form of bitterness. And that's when we feel like our lives aren't being treated right. We feel like we are being being treated unfair. And in this story, man, with Cain, we're a lot more like him than we care to admit. Because even though we would never say this out loud, just like Cain in this story, so often the reason we think we're being treated unfairly is because God is the one who's doing it. The reason we're upset, the reason that we're angry is because God is doing something. God has either taken something away from us or God is about to or God hasn't done things the way that we think that he should. And because of that, we're angry, we're upset, and we're bitter. Just like Cain is in this story. And so as Cain sits here, comparing himself to his brother, No doubt feeling hopeless because of what's going on in his life. God sees where Cain is. God knows his heart. And so he decides to have a little chat with him. So this is what verse 6 says. It says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. This desire is contrary to you but you must roll over it. So God decides to engage in this conversation with Cain. He's like, bro, what's wrong? I mean, what's happening here? Because Cain, you know that if you do what is right, if you do what is well, that I'm going to accept your offering. But then notice what God says next. 
Because he says, Cain, if you don't do well, then these emotions that you have right now, these emotions that you have towards your brother right now, man, this is just the beginning. Because sin is coming after you. Right? Like a predator coming after its prey. Sin is coming after you. Right? That's the language that God is using when he says that sin is crouching at the door ready to pounce. And so he tells Cain, man, you got two options here. Either A, you can rule over this sin, you can rule over these desires, or B, they can rule over you. And it's so important that we see what God is saying in this conversation with Cain. Because what we learn from it is that bitterness is step one. Right? Bitterness is step one. What I mean by that is everything that we've talked about so far, right? Comparing ourselves to other people, thinking that our life is unfair, that is step one. Step two is what bitterness causes you to do. And that's what God is warning Cain about right here. So for us, step two is lashing out with your, on the phone with your parents because you feel like they've just pushed you too far. Right? Step two is writing a bad review about that professor. Right? Step two is ghosting a friend because they just don't understand how hard this year has been for you and you're just tired of dealing with them. And step two is what bitterness causes us to do and just like Cain in this passage, when we find bitterness stirring up in our hearts, we have two options. Either A, we can roll over it, or B, we can let it roll over us. And if we do, the question becomes, what is your step two going to be? What is your bitterness going to cause you to do? Because as we continue to walk through this passage, we see that Cain took that second step. And this is what he did. It says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the grave. I have no idea what that means, but I don't want that to happen to me. We see, unfortunately for Cain, he doesn't rule over those desires. Instead, they rule over him, and Cain takes his second step, doesn't he? And for Cain, that second step is killing his brother. I mean, think about the devastation that would have happened in the lives of so many people because of what Cain does. I mean, first off, he ruins his relationship with his brother by taking his life. And then he brings indescribable pain to his parents, Adam and Eve, because of what he's done. Right? In this, they lose two sons, don't they? I mean, could you imagine going to the funeral of your child because another child took their life? I can't even comprehend that. I mean, so many devastating consequences happened because Cain took the second step, because Cain gave into his bitterness and killed his brother. And the reality is the same is true for us. The second step that you take because of your bitterness is going to be devastating. 
Because of your actions, you are going to ruin relationships with friends and family that might take years to restore. And because you lash out, you will bring indescribable pain to the people that you love the most. Guys, bitterness is no joke. It will bring consequences to your life that you'll regret for a very long time. And unfortunately, as we can, if you continue to read this story of Cain, you see things don't get any better. Because of what he does, God comes to him, he kicks him out of the place where he's currently living, and because of his actions, God makes him live as a fugitive for the rest of his life. That's what happens. So because Cain gives into bitterness, because he takes that second step, what we see is that his story doesn't end very well. And so the natural question that we ask ourselves is how can we avoid being like Cain? How can we avoid becoming so focused on what we feel like is unfair in our life that we come to this point where we have this form, where we take bitterness on with all of its consequences? Or how do we avoid getting to this point that we become so hopeless because our situation seems so bad that we start doing things that we'll regret for a very long time? That's the question. And sadly, the story with Cain doesn't give us the answer, does it? And so if we want to find that answer, we need to go to a different one. We need to go to another story about another firstborn son. But see, this son didn't just think that he was being treated unfairly like Cain did. This one actually was treated unfairly. Because so often what we ever don't think about is if anybody in this world ever had the right to be bitter, it was Jesus. Because think about all the things that he went through in his life, in his journey leading him to his death. I mean, first of all, one of his closest friends gets him arrested based upon false accusations, based upon things that he didn't do. And then after he's arrested and he's beaten for doing nothing wrong, he's standing before Pilate, right? This ruler who has the power to let him go. In fact, Pilate in that moment gives Jesus this chance to be set free. But what do the crowds do? They yell, we don't want Jesus free, we want Barabbas. And so because of that, Jesus stays on trial, even though a convicted criminal got set free. And even though he had every opportunity in that moment to compare himself to Barabbas and to get bitter about what just happened, he doesn't. Instead, he continues to trust his father. And then eventually he gets put on a cross where he is lying there, or rather being hung there. And what happens in that moment? Our sins get placed on him. Our sins, because of what we have done, gets put on him. And so for six hours, Jesus experiences hell on the cross for you and for me, so that we would never have to go through that in our lives. 
And then in the moment where he's experienced the most unimaginable pain ever known to human history, and he's sitting there being mocked and ridiculed because of what is happening. When he had every opportunity to be upset and every opportunity to be angry because of what these people were doing to him, in that moment, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And unlike Cain, Jesus didn't want to take somebody's life. Instead, in that moment, he wanted to sacrifice his own life so that all of us in this room who choose to follow him could one day be with him in heaven here on earth. If anybody had the right to be bitter, it was Jesus. He was arrested falsely. He was crucified unjustly. And then he died on the cross innocently. But Jesus never chose bitterness. Instead, what Jesus does is he chooses forgiveness. And for those of us who follow this slain but now risen Savior, we can choose that too. Because here at the cross, we see the answer to our question. We see how we can avoid being like Cain. We see how we can treat our bitterness so that we don't take that second step. Because what Jesus shows us is that forgiveness cures bitterness. That's it. Forgiveness cures bitterness. And so in the moments in our life that we feel like we've been treated unfairly by a parent or a professor or a friend or anybody else, in that moment, we need to choose to forgive them. Just like when we treated Jesus unfairly, he chose to forgive us. That's the cure. That's how we overcome bitterness in our lives. In fact, over in Ephesians 4, Paul echoes this. In verses 31 and 32, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then watch what Paul says here. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's what we're called to do. We're called to forgive those people that we have bitterness towards, just as Jesus chose to forgive us. Let me tell you why I love this statement, though, that forgiveness cures bitterness, because it actually has two different meanings to it. Because if you're here in this room tonight and you're struggling to find hope, because you find yourself in these situations that life seems so unfair from so many different angles, and the thought of pressing on in this just brings so much weariness to your heart. But my encouragement to you in this moment is that when life is treating you unfair, to remember that you're forgiven. Because if you're forgiven, that means a better life is coming for you. That means one day your Savior who has chosen to forgive you is returning and the unfairness and the injustice that you experience right now is going to be gone. A day is coming where he will make every wrong right. And one day here on this earth, when heaven comes down, the pain that we hate so much now will cease to even be a reality. If you're struggling to press on because the world seems so 
hard right now, remember that you're forgiven and allow that truth to overcome any bitterness that you have because of what life has thrown at you. Because forgiveness is what cures bitterness. And so tonight, that's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to choose forgiveness just like Jesus did. Whether you're struggling to forgive somebody or you're struggling to remember that you're forgiven in the moment tonight as we sit here and wrap up this message, remember who God is and remember who you are and choose forgiveness. And do that regardless of what somebody has done to you. Do that regardless of how you feel. Just as Jesus chose to forgive you, you choose to forgive others. Because that's how you cure the emotions in your life. That's how you cure the negativity and the resentment and the bitterness that you have is by realizing who God is and what he's done for you and realizing in comparison to the cross, I have no excuse not to forgive other people. So that's my challenge for you tonight, to choose forgiveness. Because that is what's going to cure the bitterness in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that you are a God who did everything possible on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. That you did everything possible on the cross so that we could stand here today as those who are accepted and loved and forgiven by God. And may the outpouring of your love for us calls us to have an outpouring of love for other people even when they don't deserve it even when they've mistreated us even when they've done things that have caused us so much pain may we sit here and forgive them God as we look at our lives on the backdrop of Calvary and as we apply the gospel to our lives may we remember that we have no excuse not to forgive those who've wronged us because in your grace and your love, you chose to forgive us when we wronged you. So may we not compare ourselves to other people. May we not look at our lives and think about everything that we don't have. Instead, may we be content with who we are because of you. And may we walk in the shadow of the cross every single day. And so be with us right now, God, as we worship and sing to you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.